Okay, guys, welcome to another Jesus Rant. Pastor Tom Carter, Word Without Walls Ministry. This is Season 2, Episode 45, Inheritance. Last week, we talked about the truth that says, because we are the sons of God, he has given us the spirit of sonship so we can cry out, Abba, Father. Which I think is very important because I think the father-son relationship is the biggest, brightest, best picture of our relationship with God that exists. And I think I mentioned that when I became a father, so many things about God's love for me crystallized in my heart and in my mind. It made so much more sense and really helped me to understand the the sacrificial agape, no greater love can a man have than to lay his life down for his friends kind of love because that's how I feel about my son. I would lay my life down for him immediately, without thought, without question. If a car was coming and it was up to me to save his life, to, to take the hit, I would shove him out the way I would take the hit. Like, no thought, no question. So that's what we were talking about last week. And we read Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7, which spoke quite a bit about this idea of sonship, really in the context of our inheritance. And that's where we're going to pick up here this week in a minute. Because I want to talk about our inheritance, and I want to really kind of shine a light on, uh, well, I guess kind of a, a little bit of a, a a twist on it, a little bit of a different, like we know the gift of God is eternal life, right? Jesus didn't just give his life for us, he gave his life to us when he drew us into himself, when he was lifted up from the earth on the cross, when he died, we died, when he rose again, we rose again, he gave his life to us, we know that. But what I want to talk about today in terms of our inheritance is I want to talk about the kingdom. I want to talk about, because in the natural, when we'll, we'll stick with the father-son picture, we'll stick with the father-son dynamic. In the natural, when a father dies, he doesn't leave his life to his son, right? But he can leave his business to his son. And that's really kind of, in, in my opinion, what the kingdom is. The kingdom is, it's not just where you are, it's who you are. The kingdom is the realm where the king rules and reigns. So anytime that we are doing kingdom business, we are expanding the kingdom. We are shining the light that's inside of us and letting that light come out through us. And that, to me, is the inheritance that we've been given more than anything else. It's the kingdom. And, and, and as we're going to see, the, the reason that our inheritance is the kingdom is because we are kings, right? God is the king of kings. Jesus is the king of kings. And we are the king that he is the king over. It's if the, if, if the kingdom is the realm where the king rules and reigns, then we are the kingdom because the king, Jesus, rules and reigns in us and through us and as us. So, I kind of have a lot of scripture I want to read today, but I'm going to try to move a little bit quickly through my first passage, which is Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 52. And I'm going to read it in the King James Version because it gives me the, the phrasing that, I, that I'm really looking for today when we're talking about our inheritance. So the heading of the Bible is for this passage is the boy Jesus at the temple. And starting in Luke Chapter 2 with verse 41, it reads, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. 
And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And I just want to stop right there for a second, because that's an important deal for him to be 12 years old. That's an important age. The story is not random. The story is not by accident. Uh, in, in, in that time, in that culture, 12 years old was kind of like, it was the age of accountability. It was the age of responsibility. It was the age when you were, it says the boy Jesus, but really at that point, you were kind of considered a man in that culture and in that time. So this is all going to fit together, but it's important that we know that this being a preteen in this day and age is very different than it was back then. 12 years old back then, you were, you were basically an adult. So it says, now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days, that's always important in the Bible, right? Type and shadow of the cross, three days, death, burial, and resurrection. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. At 12, like he's schooling the, the scholars. He's, he's, he's giving doctorate theses to the doctors at 12. Like that's something special. That's, that's more than just head knowledge. That's the heart knowledge that the Holy Spirit gives us. That's having an unction from the Holy Ghost and knowing all things, right? So it says, starting in verse 47, And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, this is, this is where I wanted to be. This is what I wanted to get to. This is my key uh, thought, my key verse, my key idea for this rant today. Verse 49. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wist ye not? that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not what, and they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them, and came to Nazareth, and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature, and in favor with God and man. They're like, what are you doing? And he's like, what do you mean, what am I doing? Don't you know that I must be about my father's business? That to me as simply as I can put it, is our inheritance. It's our father's business. And look at the, there, there, we're going to look at this too. There's an aspect here of responsibility that comes with that inheritance. You know, as, as uncle Ben famously said, with great power comes great responsibility. When we've been given, like, it's kind of funny to me in a sense that people want all of the good and they never seem to want to really put the work in like they want things handed to them i can't i can't believe or or really understand the sense of entitlement that i see in, in a large part of the population these days where everybody just wants everything handed to them nobody wants to work for anything nobody wants to put the effort in but here was jesus 
who basically abandoned his own family so that he could be about his father's business, like his true father, like his real father. Like he, he knew right from Jump Street what he was put on this earth to do. And that's why I always make the distinction between Jesus and Adam, the, the only two men who, who have ever lived. They were both God's sons, but Jesus was God's beloved son because Jesus let himself be loved by God. Jesus knew who he was. He knew who his father was. He knew his father loved him. And he operated from that position and that posture of love in everything that he did. And then this even came to, to, to a, a more full manifestation when he was baptized and a voice spoke from the heavens and said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. That affirmation of the father will always empower a son. But even, even at 12, Jesus knew what he was about. And he was about his father's business. He didn't have to wait for daddy to die to get his inheritance. And I'm not talking about it in the same way that we see in the prodigal son, where the prodigal son wished death upon his father. He said, I'd rather have my inheritance than have you in my life. And his father said, well, you can have it. You know, just all you had to do was ask. And, and that son ended up squandering his inheritance because he didn't work for it. He didn't understand it. He didn't know anything about it. Whereas Jesus... Oh, yeah. And by the way, the prodigal son was still welcomed back into daddy's house. There wasn't punishment. Everybody gets so stuck on punishment. There was forgiveness. There was restoration. There was mercy and grace. That's who God is. But what we see here is we see a 12-year-old Jesus knowing about his inheritance, knowing about his purpose, knowing about what he was supposed to be up to. And he said it. He said, Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? So now when we read, I'm going to read it again, what we read from last week, Galatians chapter four, verses one through seven, but I want to read it through the lens of, I want to read it in context of what our inheritance is as the kingdom, as our father's business. Being about our father's business means bring the kingdom to where, to wherever we are, shining the light into the darkness. If you're in a dark room and you turn the light on, you're not in a dark room anymore, right? It's like the old saying, wherever you go, there you are. When you understand that you are a king, when you understand that you are have been made, and we're going to look at this too, you have been made into a kingdom of priests, then you will understand that wherever you go, that's where the kingdom is. You don't have to go to a temple. You don't have to go to a certain particular place. You can operate in this ministry wherever you're at. And by ministry, I mean the ministry that Jesus operated in, loving people, healing people, feeding people, teaching people, just being there for people. He was always there for his friends, and 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 he pretty much considered everybody his friends. The only people Jesus ever really seemed to get mad at were the religious folk, the Pharisees, who, who were hypocritical and who were doing all the, the right things for all the wrong reasons. That's who Jesus had a problem with. Jesus was friends of sinners. Jesus was friends of fishermen. Jesus was friends of, you know, everybody. So that's why I think, you know, when, when I believe it was Abraham Lincoln who said, I destroy my enemies by making them my friends. I think we need to have a mindset that says, all I have are friends, whether they know it yet or not. So when, when, you know, Jesus said, no greater love can a man have than to lay his life down for his friends. To me, that can apply to everybody. 
I can lay my life down for anybody, not just my son, who I love more than anybody else in the world, not just my best friend, not just my sister or my brothers or, you know, who I consider my quote unquote favorite people in this world, but anybody. You can lay your life down for anybody because of the love that's inside of you. And that's a big love. That's a radical love. You know, we talked about this a few weeks ago, how how radical God's love is, how it doesn't make sense. And, and we can't fully comprehend it because it's so much bigger and better than anything we could even ask or even think about. So let's look at Galatians chapter 4 in the context of being about our Father's business, in the context of our inheritance being the kingdom of God. Galatians chapter 4, starting with verse 1, reads, Think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up, even though they actually own everything their father had. So again, you know, when we talk about inheritance, we're not necessarily talking about the everlasting, abundant, eternal resurrection life of God. That's the gift that he gave to us. And we did get it when he died, but really we got it when he rose again. Jesus didn't die so that we could have life. Jesus died so that we could have a death. Jesus rose again so that we could have a life. We got the inheritance with the death. That's when death died. That's when the kingdom came. That's when we were transported out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of God's dear son. So this idea of an inheritance, we need to understand it's our father's business. It's it, we, we own everything the father had. He passed it down to us. He gave us his, the king died and gave us his kingdom. And then the king rose again to be the king of kings and to rule and reign his own kingdom in and through and as us. So it says in verse two, they have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. And that's the way it was with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom to, for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Again, it's this, it, he pulled us out of the kingdom of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his dear son. He, he bought us out of slavery. We were slaves. We, we didn't know God and we couldn't serve him if we wanted to. He gave us the law, but we couldn't follow the law. The law was impossible to follow. The law was not given for us to be able to follow. It was given to show us that we can't follow it and that we're sinners in need of a savior. So then he gave us the savior and the savior saved us. He brought us out of darkness and into light. He brought us out of slavery and into the kingdom. And since we are his child, we are no longer a slave. God has made us his heir. Now we, everything that he has is ours. At my old church, we had a saying, and it, it, there was a, a, a kind of a big list of it. But the one I remember most is, I have no lack because my God has no lack. And that's something that I taught my son his whole life. I, I always taught him, what's mine is yours. I always taught him, if I have a spot, you have a spot. Because if worse comes to worse, you can sit on my lap. And he's getting pretty big now. And that's getting a little, you know, a little dicey for me because he's getting heavy. 
But the fact remains is that everything that I have is his. He's always like, Dad, can I, whatever, with, with my stuff? And I'm like, bro, it's yours. It's, it's, if it's mine, it's yours. That's how this works. So that's how this works. Spiritually speaking, the king has given, uh, has made us his heir and has given us the kingdom. That's what we have. And now we have the responsibility to be about our father's business. So let me read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50. It says, What I am saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. And I used that verse because of the connection between inheritance and the kingdom. It just reinforces what our inheritance is. And there's a lot to be said about these dying bodies. There's a lot to be said about, you know, the the truth that uh, not all will sleep, but all will be changed. The, you know, the idea of, of everything changing and the, the twinkling of an eye and all of these different things. And I'm not going to get into it right now because I'm going to be honest with you. I don't understand all of that right now. I don't understand how uh, the resurrection of the dead will work. I don't understand how we could possibly live on an earth that is already overpopulated if everybody who has ever died gets a new body. I, it would have to be different, right? Like just we wouldn't just physically all fit on the earth that we're on now. So it, w- it will it will be different and it will change, but I don't know how. And I thank God that he does, because so I'm not worried about it. So many people worry about the afterlife. And I'm like, listen, man, absent from the body is present with the Lord. I'm not worried about it. But here's what it says in Revelation 5.10. It says, and you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God, and they will reign on the earth. We have what we have while we have it, if I can say it that way. When we're talking about not being able for our physical bodies to inherit the kingdom of God, that's a whole different thing. That's a whole different dimension. That's a whole different deal. Having said that, God has given us the days of heaven on earth. God has made us a kingdom of priests for our God to reign on the earth. There is a dimension of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, our inheritance on this earth. That I know for sure. And the reason that I can say that is it's the kingdom of God. God is love. It's the kingdom of love. You go about your father's business by loving people. Full stop. That's what God wants you to do. That's what being holy is. That's what being righteous is. If you want to do something holy, you have to love people. That's what holiness is. We think it's like, oh, I have to be pure from sin. I can't do anything dirty. But really, holiness is simply loving people. That's what God is. If, if the Bible says, be holy as he is holy, that's what it means. Be love as he is love. Let him love you and love him back by loving people. That's as simple as I can make it. That's our father's business. That's the inheritance that we've received. That's what he gave us when he made us heirs, when he gave us the kingdom, when he made us to be a kingdom of priests for him, to represent him. We're God's representative on this earth, man. We are the visible face of the invisible God. God is a spirit and nobody can see him. The Holy Spirit, you know, comes and goes like the wind. You you don't see the wind, but you see the effects of it. You see the way it ripples through the trees or whatever else. You can't see love, but you can see the effects of it. 
If somebody needs a hug and you give them a hug, you see the effects of your love for them. And that's what we've been equipped and empowered to do. That's what we've been given. That's what we have. It's not something we need. It's not something we can earn. It's really, it's who we are. When he transformed us from slaves to sons, he transformed us into love. We were, you know, in the beginning, we were formed and created in his image. But we didn't know what that image was because it was dark and void. And then on the cross, we were conformed to the image of Jesus. Now we can see who we are. And and, and it's, remember in, uh, I, I believe it's First John, it says, uh, I'm going to try to paraphrase it. I'm just grasping for it. But it says something along the lines of, since we, it says like, we are the sons of God. But we don't know what that looks like. But when he appears, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. That's so important to me. And it's not a second coming or a third coming or whatever coming we're supposed to be on in this day and age. It's Jesus appearing every day in every way. Every time love appears, that's an appearing of Jesus. That's when you can see him as he truly is. And you can see yourself as you truly are. And you can be yourself as you truly are by receiving and releasing that love by dwelling in that love. And it's the same thing with the kingdom. You can't expand the kingdom until you first dwell in the kingdom. That's kind of where the responsibility comes in. We have a responsibility to use the gift we've been given. We have a responsibility to be good and faithful stewards with the inheritance that we've been given. It's not like the story of the prodigal son where we are, where we go out and waste our inheritance. And it's not like the story of the older son either, who, who who never enjoyed his inheritance because he just stayed in father's house working all the time. And he's like, why didn't you ever throw me a party? And and his dad was like, you've been here the whole time and everything I have is yours. If you wanted to have a party, you should have had a party. We rob ourselves of what we've been given by trying to earn it. And that's tragic to me because we already have it. So when we're talking about responsibility, I wanted to read Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 4 in the King James Version. And it says, Where the word of a king is, there is power. And who may say unto him, What doest thou? This is so important to me because, again, it goes back to this idea of this responsibility that we have as a kingdom of priests, as representatives of God. When we're going about his business, it is important for us to represent him in the right way. It is important for us to be responsible with what we've been given. It is important for us to be good and faithful stewards of our inheritance because we don't want to squander it. We want it to expand and we want it to grow. And the word of the king has power. What we say matters. What we do matters. Just because I don't believe that God punishes people doesn't mean that I believe you can do whatever you want. I mean, you can do whatever you want, but just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do it. There are consequences to your actions, whether they be good, bad, or ugly. Every action has a consequence to it. And I want my consequence to be God saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. I want to impress my dad as I go about his business. I want him to be happy that he put it in my hands and left it up to me. I want him to be proud of what I've done with what he has given me. So let me read my last passage here, and then we'll close up for today. You know how I roll with the gorilla gospel. Something to chew on, but not to choke on. I don't want to, you know, swim too deep where, where people can't hold their breaths. But I do want to give something practical. And I hope when we see what our inheritance really is, 
will be able to experience it in a, in, a, in a deeper, more meaningful way. We'll be able to use our inheritance, not squander, but use. And I think that when you love people, you're investing in them. And I think that's the best thing to do with your inheritance is to invest it. So it will bring forth a, you know, a harvest later on down the road. But don't forget, some plant, some water, but it's God who gets the harvest. So if you love somebody and you don't see the result that you want from it, take heart. It's not for you to get a result. It's for God to get a result. Sometimes you love somebody and then that opens them up, that opens their heart up for them later on down the line. And you may not be in the story anymore and that's okay. You did your part. All you can do is do your part. And it, it, it really, honestly, it doesn't matter if you see results from it. My personal definition of love is to gladly spend everything I have and everything I am, even though it seems like the more I love you, the less you love me. I'm not doing it for the applause. You know, when we're investing in people, even if we don't get a return on our investment, we can, you know, be assured that God will. God will do what he's of a mind to do because, again, because he's the king. And who's going to say, what doest thou? You can question God, but he doesn't, you know, he doesn't have to defend himself. Jesus never defended himself. When they said, uh, I believe it was Pontius Pilate, when he, when he said, uh, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, you've said so. You know, he didn't defend himself because he didn't need to. He said, if I wanted to, I could call a whole legion of angels to come and get me off this cross. But that's not what I'm here to do. I'm not here to defend myself. I'm here to sacrifice myself. And that's what love is. Love doesn't have to defend. You don't have to defend yourself. You can defend other people, which I think is great. But God will defend you. God will take care of you. So let me read my last passage. Colossians chapter 1, starting with verse 11. It says, We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power, so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. This is it to me, man. We get to share in the inheritance. And, 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 and it doesn't just belong to me. It belongs to his people who live in the light, who live in the kingdom, who are about his business. And, and, you know, I've, I've heard people ask, you know, am I a bad person or, you know, different things of that nature. And, and, and I've asked that question myself and my pastor told me, well, no, you're not because you're asking that question. If you were truly a bad person, you wouldn't ask, you wouldn't care, you wouldn't be worried about it. So the fact that you have a conscience that's, you know, uh, leading you to the light and trying to make sure that you're doing the things that you're supposed to be doing that in and of itself means you're doing the things you're supposed to be doing. And sometimes it takes a long time. Sometimes you have to do things one step at a time and you grow in this maturation. You grow in this inheritance. Like we saw in, uh, in Galatians, you have to come to a certain age. You have to grow. You have to learn in order to truly be able to experience your inheritance and, and to invest it the right way and to use it the right way. Like I can say, I'll make this simple for you. Receive and release the love of God. But that's not always easy. Just because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy. 
And that's why, you know, we see in Colossians that we also pray that you'll be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. If you're going to truly love people, you need endurance and patience. That's our father's business is loving people. And people can be hard to love sometimes. And unfortunately, the people that are the hardest to love are the people who need love the most because they're not getting it because they're hard to love. So what we need to do is we need to understand that love never fails because love endures. And that doesn't mean that, you know, I always say uh, turning the other cheek does not mean you stand there and let people keep slapping you and slapping you and slapping you. Turning the other cheek is about not retaliating. Sometimes if people aren't picking up what you're laying down, you shrug your shoulders and you walk away and you love them from a distance and you pray for them from a distance. You can't affect everybody the way that you necessarily want to. That's just a fact of life. So if you can affect somebody, like I have a pretty good effect on my kid, right? Like that's where I pour myself into because that's where I can make the most difference and do the the, the most effective work. But I want to read this one more time real quick and then we'll close. It says, we also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. That's our inheritance. It's the kingdom of his dear son. It's out of darkness and into light. That's what we have. That's how we can operate. And, and not only is that what we have, but that's what we have to give because love is giving. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. So share your inheritance. Give what you've got. That's our father's business. That's what we're to be about. And that's what our inheritance is. Thank you guys, uh, as always, for all the support, helping me get this word out. And we will, you know, we'll see you next week. Okay, well, if you enjoyed that, I want to invite you to check out my website, jesusrant.com. You can get my daily rants on there. You can uh, get the my books that I've written on there. They're also on Amazon. I have an author's page on Amazon. Um, I've written a lot of books. I'm pretty proud of them. You can order them. I try to keep them cheap because I don't like to pay a lot of money for books, and I don't think people should have to pay a lot of money for mine. So check that out. Um, if you want to support the podcast itself, you can find it on anchor.fm if you just search for Jesus Rant. Um, you can support it monetarily. You can support it by uh, liking it, sharing it, subscribing to it. And you can, you can support it, excuse me, by word of mouth, by telling people about it, uh, helping other people listen, find it and listen to it. And uh, thank you once again, as always, for spending your time to listen to it, to uh to help me to get the word out, which, you know, as we know by now is, is my heart is just getting this word out word without walls ministry. Um, so just thank you for your support. I love you. And there's nothing you can do about it. Amen.